This episode of the Columbia Basin Herald's Studio Basin Podcast is brought to you by the Moses Lake Chamber of Commerce. The Chamber works to help businesses in and around Moses Lake flourish through networking opportunities, member-to-member savings for products and services, and connecting businesses with the resources they need to make Moses Lake a wonderful place to live, work, and play. For more information, visit moseslake.com or call the Chamber at 509-765-7888. Again, that's 509-765-7888. And I'm Senior Reporter Charles Featherstone with the Columbia Basin Herald, and I am here with our wonderful staff, Senior Reporter Cheryl Schweitzer, uh, reporter, writer, (laughs) and page layout... Genius. Guru. Genius. Guru. Yeah, I was I was about to get a little idolatrous with that. <laughs> um, Joel Martin and sports reporter Ian Vivona, and we are here to talk about what happened in the Columbia Basin this last week. So, first thing on our item, the uh, Moses Lake Watershed Council had its State of the Lake public meeting on Tuesday, and it was a well-attended affair at the Moses Lake City Council. They talked a little bit about... Well, they talked a little bit about kind of where things are and kind of where things are going forward. And it was an interesting meeting from the standpoint that historically, when the quality of the water in Moses Lake is talked about, and they talk about the phosphorus, and I got a, an email comment from a, from a reader who said that we need to focus on where the phosphorus comes from. And that story was already out of control, very long. <laughs> Previous reporting, there has been focus on, on the phosphorus in Moses Lake, much of it coming naturally into the water from uh, Rocky Ford Creek. Apparently the spring that feeds Rocky Ford Creek bubbles up through phosphorus-rich wa- rocks, and a lot of the phosphorus in the lake comes from that. But if I, if I understand my, the, the, my, my notes correctly and the meaning correctly, about half of the phosphorus in the lake is currently locked in sediments. About uh, 20% comes from... Uh, both Crab Creek and uh, Rocky Ford Creek, and then the remaining 30%, and this is the first, this is where it got interesting, because this is the first time this got talked about, were what are referred to as non-point sources, and that is runoff from yards, um, leaky septic tanks, that sort of thing. That's the first time that got talked about, and it sounds like that that's going to be something of their focus in attempting to control phosphorus levels, phosphorus being the nutrient that the blue-green algae, which causes all of the poisons and then forces the health district to put up the signs that says don't touch the water, um, the phosphorus is the, is, is the, is the, the factor there. So it sounds like if you live on the lake and you have lakefront property and you're not connected to a city sewer system, you will be, well, you may be required to at some point in time. So um, we'll see where we go with that. Anyway, um, and I understand that we have, and we had something of an announcement in regards to Confluence House, Confluence no, no. Samaritan. Samaritan, that's right. The hospital here in Moses Lake. Yes, Samaritan Hospital Commissioners released a statement on Friday morning um, reaffirming something that they actually told me last week, or one of them did, that they are committed to building the hospital project. Um, some information that they had not talked about before is that they have a loan of about $135 million from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, Um, but they must build the hospital and it must be open by September 2026. So they got to get started pretty soon. 
<laughs> how, how realistic or how high in the sky is that deadline? Is, is it something that, that they're pretty comfortable with? Yes, I think. Are they clawing the, the ceiling trying to... <laughs> <laughs> trying to trying to figure out how to do it. Make this deadline. I would say that they will have to get started relatively soon. It seems like the last estimate that I heard was that it takes about two years to build a hospital. So you're going to have to get started. You have to plant. You have, in this case, you have most of a design. Um, you may have to make some changes, dude, because it was designed in 2019. Um, but so they have a design. That part is finished. That part took about nine months. Mm -hmm. We they have gestating, as it were. Gestating, yes. <laughs> they have. They were almost to the point of bid documents when the COVID hit, and they had to to suspend the project. Um, of course, the real problem is that costs have gone up, and the last estimate was they were about $31 million short of what they needed. Um, they're trying to make up that gap. They have done some things to, to cut costs of that project, so we'll see. But probably they're going to have to get started on construction within the next year to really make sure they hit that Here's the keys, open the door deadline of... of <laughs> and USDA doesn't yank their funding. Right. If, they, if, they, if they're not done by that time, then they've got a problem. So. And maybe this has been addressed and I just missed it. Um, is this going to be a second hospital, or what, what plans do they have for the existing one then? The existing hospital, they haven't really decided what to do with it yet, at least the last time we talked about it. Um, Could it be turned into a, a second high school? <laughs> I, oh, probably it, not. No, it, it could. It could. <laughs> um, will they? I don't know. As of the moment, they haven't really decided what to do with it yet. But a second high school is as good a possibility <laughs> as any. Well, don't I, I think I recall from back in the time when I covered the county commission that that had been looked at as a potential second jail. And apparently mm -hmm. the, the idea of that taking Samaritan and turning it into a jail was nixed. Yes. Something to do with it's, the thickness of the concrete yes. walls and those <laughs> not being thick enough. The old building, one of the reasons we ended up with the idea of a new hospital is that the old building would be almost expensive, as expensive to remodel for what they want to do mm -hmm. with it as it would be to build a new one. So that is why you have a new hospital under consideration out on Yonazawa. And finally, we've been covering a very sad story. Um, the disappearance of a Moses Lake couple, um, Charles and Teresa Bergman. And this, as of this morning, it's Friday when we are recording this podcast, uh, an arrest warrant. Lincoln County, uh, Lincoln County Court has issued an arrest warrant for Charles Bergman um, in connection with the death of his wife. Her body was unfortunately found in a remote location of Lincoln County uh, Thursday by a farmer who apparently stumbled across it. Uh, this is, we don't have many details and we've been going off of mostly what's been posted by both the Lincoln County Sheriff's Office and the Grant County Sheriff's Office since uh, the couple were reported missing on Monday, but it just is a sad little story that seems to be going in the direction that it always looked like it was going. So uh, there's apparently a manhunt, a search now for, for Mr. Bergman, and 
law enforcement is looking for him. So we don't really have any much more to say about that. So we will go on to our sports next. The next segment of the Studio Basin podcast is brought to you by the readers of the Columbia Basin Herald. The paper serves the entirety of Grant and Adams counties in central and eastern Washington, which has strong traditions in agriculture, industry, and taking care of one another. The Columbia Basin Herald is grateful to our readers for their support and to our advertisers who support our efforts to keep the communities we serve informed. All right, Ian, tell us what's going on in the world of sports. Uh, it's been a bit of a lull, at least for Washington sports, this past mm -hmm. week since we last talked last week. Um, the Mariners, right now, they're still in that third wild card spot. They're at they're sitting at eighty two and sixty seven, but over their last ten games, they've only gone four and six, and you know they haven't been playing the most stellar competition <laughs> over that over that span. But um, so they're still like, they're still in a decent position. Uh, they're four games ahead of Baltimore, who is vying for that last wild card spot. So they got a little bit of leeway, um, but. Over their last two series, they had series of losses to the Los Angeles Angels and the Oakland Athletics. And in those, one was a four-game series, one was a three-game series. They only won one game against each of those teams. So, I mean, coming down the stretch going into the playoffs, that's not really what you want to see out of your team. Um, uh, at least that's for Mariners fans. They don't really want to be seeing that right now. Especially against teams like the Angels and the A's. Yeah, exactly. When does the season end? Um, we've got a couple weeks left. Uh, I don't remember the exact date off the top of my head, but they only have three or four more series left in the season, so it's really kind of winding down. Um, but unfortunately, what you don't want to see, especially your star is getting injured, mm -hmm. and that's what happened to Julio Rodriguez. Um, yesterday, he exited the game uh, against the Athletics with a lower back strain, and he's likely to be put on the injured list. And against the Angels, he actually missed three games with this uh, kind of same problem as well. So you hope the best for him. I mean, he's one of baseball's stars right now this mm -hmm. season. He's really had his breakout campaign in his rookie year. Um, but I know Angel, or Mariners fans are not happy to see that, that injury come up this late in the season. Um, but he's not too happy about it either. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, they're still vying for that wild card spot, hoping to end that drought here for the Mariners. Um, and then in the Seahawks, for the Seahawks, um, they had quite a different performance on Sunday than they did last week. Um, after that emotional win against Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos to open the season, they kind of came out flat against San Francisco. They had lost 27 to seven on the road there uh, against the 49ers. Their own, yeah, their only touchdown was a blocked field goal uh, returned for a touchdown. So at least their special teams was kind of clicking. <laughs> <laughs> um, but their run defense, which forced two goal line fumbles in week one against the Denver running backs, they allowed 189 yards on the ground, um, which, I mean, San Francisco, they have a powerful rushing attack, but 189 yards on the ground is never something you want to be letting up as a run defense in the NFL. And the total defense allowed by the Seahawks through two games, they're allowing over 400 yards per game, uh, 403 to be exact. And their mm, offense, it's only, dear. yeah, they have the second fewest total yards per game in the NFL on the offensive side of the ball with 234 and a half yards per game. So the offense got to get clicking a little bit. They were able to eke out that win in week one. You know, it's very emotional. Um, but as the season progresses, they're going to have to step it up on the offensive side of the ball, uh, especially with some injuries on the defensive side. You know, Jamal Adams is probably done for the year with his quadriceps injury. 
So Geno Smith and company got to get the ball moving a little bit more. Um, but luckily for the Seahawks, they're they're coming back home this weekend to play the Falcons. You know, the Falcons, they're not the most star-studded team in the <laughs> NFL this year. Um, they're coming off to, uh, back-to-back losses. But uh, that kickoff's going to be at 125 at Lumen Field this weekend. Didn't they lose both? Didn't the Falcons lose both those games late in the game? Yes. So the Falcons, uh, they're kind of notable for uh, choking leads. <laughs> I went to school near Atlanta, so I knew a lot of Falcons fans. And uh, most Sundays we'd spend watching their games, and every week it's just like, oh man, not again. <laughs> um, but we'll see. Maybe maybe Seattle will be able to take advantage of that this weekend. Um, and then, yeah, we've got some local sports going on as well. Uh, nice to have high school sports here back in the basin. Moving into kind of week three of football action, volleyball, soccer, and more. Last week in week two, there was quite a game that went on at Afreda. Hmm. Um, Othello, uh, the Huskies, they marched down the field in the final minutes to take a 14-13 to 13 win. Uh, Othello quarterback Maddox Martinez found receiver, running back, kind of do-it-all guy, Sonny Asu in the right, uh, back right side of the end zone for a last-second touchdown. He actually caught the ball as the clock expired, so it came down oh. to their kicker wow. to be able to uh, get that extra point and sneak away with the win. Um, but with the missed extra point by Afreda, that opened the door for Othello to come back and win the game. So now the Huskies are 2-1, and one, um, and I'm, I know they were celebrating pretty hard after I that bet, win. I bet. That's, that's an <laughs> impressive win. Definitely. Yeah, that would have been an exciting game. Oh, it was, for sure. Uh, it was a bit slow to get started. I think there was only I think it was only 7-7 seven, seven at the at halftime. But that last that fourth quarter, it was back and forth, back and forth. Uh, drives getting stalled by the defense. Defense is really stepping up in that game. Um, and then uh, Moses Lake slow pitch. They began their season two weeks ago now, but they're six and zero to start the year. Um, wow. They've really, they've been really impressive uh, out there as well. On Tuesday, I went to their double header. They beat Hermiston ten to zero in both of their uh, both of the games on Tuesday, and then on Thursday. They uh, traveled to face Davis. They beat them 16-2 to and 13-2. to So they're really off to quite the start to their year. And, and he is being kicked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and in the uh, WIAA's rating percentage index, they're number one in the uh, in the state for wow. slow-pitch softball. Excellent. So they're definitely going to be a team to watch here in the Basin. I'm looking forward to stopping by more of their games in the future. So then moving on, just a quick go through the schedule for Friday mm-hmm. night's football games. Uh, we got ACH facing Cusick, Efreda's traveling to East Valley, Lynn Ritzville's facing off at home against Davenport, Moses Lake is hosting Central Valley, that'll be quite a game, Central Valley's off to a really hot start this year. Uh, Othello is hosting Sela, Quincy is hosting Brewster, while Luke's traveling to Zilla, and Warden is facing against Granger. So we've got quite a week here of gridiron action, and then tomorrow, uh, Royal's at home, uh, so they'll have their... Um, Saturday games. Still getting used to that Saturday games. <laughs> and who, who, who's Royal taking on? Not that it matters. Yeah, they are taking on. Oh man, I don't remember. I don't, I don't know why we even write stories about Royal football. Just keep reusing the headline: Royal win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're off to quite uh, quite the start. I don't envy anybody who comes up against that squad. Yeah. They're, they lost a lot of seniors from last year, and I know uh, the coach Allred's got to be happy with the performance that they've put on through the first three weeks of the season. They've only let up six points, and I think they've scored about 90 
So uh, the, mm -hmm. the percentage uh, or the points favored is definitely in their favor throughout the first three games and of the season. And they've played teams that are not in their classification that are bigger than they are. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they uh, traveled to Othello last week mm -hmm. and got that one. So. A couple of weeks ago, yeah. Yeah, Royals doing royal things. Fear to be feared. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for sports. We'll have some more coverage of some local softball and, or volleyball and soccer games on the weekend. And then be sure to check out on Monday. We'll have the week recap of all the scores from games that happened here in the Basin. Okay. Well, thank you, Ian. Mm -hmm. Well, the Studio Basin podcast is produced by the Columbia Basin Herald, a local newspaper serving Grant and Adams counties in Washington State. Our publisher is Clint Schroeder, and our regional general manager is Bob Richardson. Our managing editor is Rob Miller, and our reporting staff consists of senior reporter Charles Featherstone, that's me, senior reporter Cheryl Schweitzer, staff writer and paginator Joel Martin, staff writer Rebecca Pettingill, and sports reporter Ian Bavona. The Columbia Basin Herald is published five days a week in print and online. The paper's website is www.columbiabasinherald.com. To provide feedback on the paper or the podcast, please email us at editor at columbiabasinherald.com. Again, I'm Charles Featherstone with the Columbia Basin Herald. Thank you for listening. Have a really good weekend, and maybe I will see you at the Hispanic Cultural Shindig in Mos downtown Moses Lake on Saturday. Thank you for listening. Thank you.